Are you ready to tell me everything? <laughs> Did he watch your Instagram story? He was the first to watch it, girl. Ghost him. Hey guys, welcome back to Tell Me Everything with Lance. So I have a guest here who I've stalked. And I was very open when she said that. I'm like, I have stalked you. Sara Adarubi yeah. yes, is a multidisciplinary artist, curator, and educator. Sada explores notions of culture and identity of both Arab and Western contests through post-colonial discourse. She is the founder of The Letters Project an online platform that aims to foreground anonymous letters that speak to the anthropological... Wow. You got it. <laughs> it's the sociocultural climate of the Arab region. Today, we're going to discuss that and much, much more. We're going deep. So welcome to the show, Thank Sada. you for having me. Thank Pleasure you for to be being here. here. Um, I think I want to start off with kind of going, because I mean, you just explained to me um, all the cultures and the places that you've lived. So yeah. can you kind of start off of where you were born and how you've ended up back in Dubai? Sure. Um, so I was born in Brussels, Belgium. Woo. And I grew up there till I was about eight. And then I moved to Turkey and I lived there for eight years. Mm. Uh, then I kind of bounced between the UAE and back to Brussels. And then when I did my undergrad in the UAE, I went back, I went to... Italy and mm -hmm. then came back and then moved to London and then now I kind of uh I sort of straddle Abu Dhabi and Dubai so so would you say you're a third culture kid Oof, that's a tough one because oh yes and no um I guess maybe it's because when you return back it's like can you still be a third culture kid in your own environment I really don't know yeah if there's an any way to like double that like a nine culture kid or like 12 culture <laughs> yeah, kid. Yeah, like because you've just named like literally 10 countries. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a bit it's a bit of a minefield for sure. But yeah, it's just been all over. I just, child of the world. Child we'll of the world. We'll just say child of the world. Because yeah. I, like I, I hear all the places you've lived in and, and you're half Amirati, half... Syrian. Syrian. Yeah, I sorry. Yes. I keep forgetting you Syrian. <laughs> but that is kind of like the definition of a third culture kid mm -hmm. in some ways, like living abroad from somewhere, but, you know, move back to Dubai. I wonder, was there ever an identity crisis that you had being from all, like, two different places and living in all these places? Did you ever feel a sense of loss of identity? No, actually. Um, interestingly enough, I kind of felt like I was really privileged when I was living abroad that when I could dip my toes back into Emirati society or mm -hmm. Syrian culture, I could cherry pick what I liked about it and then integrate that into my life. Mm -hmm. So in a way, I didn't really have like an identity crisis or I never felt like the peer pressure of being something that I wasn't. And yeah. so I've sort of presented myself, well, I like to think I've presented myself as a radically kind of consistent person mm -hmm. in the way that I deal with things and the way that I view the world. And so, um, so I never really struggled with that uh, in terms of my identity. And I think that that's, main maybe one of the things that's like really foregrounded in the way I present myself online because people are just like oh you're like unapologetically yourself and I was yeah like, well, yeah like and I and I think that that's kind of where I now that's like sort of my I guess my northern star like, <laughs> how I navigate the world you know yeah um because I wonder like from all the experience that you've had, and I know you're an artist as well. Mm -hmm. Your resume is very impressive. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, it really <laughs> is. Dagashun, <laughs> yeah. Um, How do you get your inspiration? Is it through all the experience that you've had that yeah. you kind of put that into art? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, I think it's, you know, I always like to dissect the sort of, I guess, like the the overarching theoretical framework of mm. like intersectionality. And I feel like living the life that I did, like it is 
without a shred of a doubt, yeah. intersectional. Like there's so many different moving parts. There's so many different elements. So whatever I can bring to the conversation and however I choose to um, present myself, whether it's through like having discussions or the Letters Project or uh, visual explorations through art, it's always through the vessel of like, this is all encompassing of like how I conduct myself, mm -hmm. how I've existed in these different cultures. And it becomes this kind of uh, mishmash of like, multiculturalism so I think I think yeah I think that's how I, I I navigate I can't see it any other way yeah you know it's just it's, it's an innate natural knee-jerk reaction even someone from an outside third perspective when I was doing research on you yeah. and, like, <laughs> and like researching for this episode I saw like all through your art there was some sort of inspiration that came from one of your experiences and you put it in there was there ever a struggle that you've had personally that put you on because I because I see your art and, and the artist factors you um, as like discovering you expressing yourself was there ever a struggle that you had in your life that you're like okay I need to put this energy into something maybe it was the letters project or some part part of like art piece or collection that you've done well interesting that you phrase it in that way because um I have always had this innate fear from childhood I think mm. it's just how I was brought up um of being misunderstood Mm. I say I faced a lot of discrimination when I was younger, whether it be for the way that I act, the way that I talk, however, which way you 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 throw it. Um, and that fear of being misunderstood kind of sits at the underbelly of the way that I op like the way that I operate. Mm -hmm. So I find myself constantly either speaking from a position of trying to make myself abundantly clear about what I think and what I believe. Mm. And that also, in a way, it, it serves as a scapegoat in art practice because you can live in this kind of realm of obscurity or abstraction. Mm -hmm. So people decide how they think of the work, like what they think of the work. Yeah. But in projects like The Letters Project, it's also allowing that ambiguity and obscurity to exist within letters so that people don't target you and penalize you, uh, even though I still get... Penalized. I, I want to ask about yeah, sure. like the comments, so we'll get um, into that. But yeah. But um, so that feeling of being misunderstood, I think, has fueled the way in which I speak. Even like mm -hmm. I speak. I, I mean, people tend to say that I speak in a very kind of verbose way. That I, I, uh, um, like, I over articulate how I think. I'm even doing it now. Like I'm, re <laughs> I'm regurgitating the things I have with my sentences and synonyms I can use. But I think it was from that deep fear of being misunderstood. And I had to come to a realization, probably in my mid-20s, that that was never going to change. I was always going to be mis misunderstood, especially in like the UAE context, mm. for sure, because I am a representation of like the dilution of the culture. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm both like the, the local and the other. And so in a way, I just... Um, I kind of like operate from this place of like, oh, well, if you're not for us, you're against us. If you're not with us, then you're with them. Mm. And that's kind of how I've sort of like been safeguarding myself in, in that respect. Like when you come here, when you go to Sharjah, you're, you know what I mean? You're, you're in this part of the region. Do you not feel at home? No. Okay. No. Um, I, my home is kind of, I guess, my family and mm -hmm. the culture that I grew up with and the norms and values. But because I moved around so much in life, like everyone asks that question when they find out like I've lived in so many different places. They're like, yeah. where is home to you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, like honestly, too, <laughs> honestly, it's not, it's not a place. It's like a feeling. I have it's to a feel, feeling. A, feel a certain way. And so for me, it's a feeling of um, uh, uh, comfort, vulnerability, 
um, honesty, integrity, genuine rapport, authenticity, that's mm-hmm. when I feel at home. Um, and feeling that freedom to express that without fear of judgment or um, ridicule, yeah. uh, which is not often the case. I mm. will constantly be at, the, you know, in yeah. the line of fire when it comes to that. Um, so that's when I feel at home. Do you ever feel because you're so vocal about a lot of things that that works against you, especially being here? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I think because I've, I've felt like I've conducted myself in a, like, even when I state my opinions, I never state them in this kind of like sort of arbitrary way where I'm just like, these are my feelings. And this is how I'm saying (laughs) this. I try to construct, I try to place it in a, in a, in a line of logic that is backed up with either evidence, analysis, statistical research, data, whatever the case may be. Um, And I try to explain myself in a way that's like almost eliminates the emotion and just Mm -hmm. comes from a position of, uh, yeah, position of facts. Um, uh, But I still get ridiculed because the internet is a dirty, dirty place that plays a dirty, dirty game. And, uh, and I just have to, it comes with the territory and I refuse to be the victim. Like, I just whacked the mic. For anyone listening, I just just whacked over the mic in my anger and frustration. But um, and so I, you, I'm never a victim. So I'm always like, I like that though. That yeah. you know that like you're like, no, I'm not a victim. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I never and I never. You'll never see me being like, why is everyone so mean to yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I'm always just kind of like, okay, look, you have your opinions, and that's how it is, and I I can respect that to a certain degree, mm-hmm. but I am not morally, logically, rationally, emotionally obligated to entertain your way of thinking. Absolutely. And that's kind of how it is. So for the letters project then, because I want to get into what inspired you to do that, but I do see a lot of the comments are like, mm-hmm. this is fake, this is from a movie, what is this, from a script? And I look at that, I'm like, damn, like obviously not, it's not, like when I'm reading the story, I'm reading the letters, when, I'm, when I was, I think there was one yesterday about a car accident. Mm-hmm. I like had tears in my eyes because I felt the person's emotions through her or his writing. And that letter is true because I know the person. Who okay. And, and I would never think that someone would yeah. make that up even because your platform is not like that. Mm-hmm. So I guess my first question is what inspired you for the letters project? It was actually a happy accident. I think everyone seems to think that this was like a, you know, like a secret, like decision I made when I was like <laughs> going through the motions. No, the Lessons Project has been around since the early stages of 2015. Oh, really? It's like, to, like that's when it kind of started. But mm. the actual start of the Lettuce Project was 2017. So it's okay. still been around for a while. Um, I basically started it at the kind of, the, just at the beginning of Instagram when they started uh, introducing Instagram stories. Mm. Oh, wow, and, damn. Yeah, and, and I, I know, it was like way back when. Oldie but goldie. Yeah, exactly. But um, I am... Um, I started, you know, with with Instagram stories and I love kind of getting into debates and talking about, you know, societal like issues yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And, and I was living in London at the time and okay. I was kind of like filming different conversations that I would have either with people or like reactions to certain exhibitions that seemed to have like a racial undertone or whatever. And like, it was just, it was all very casual, very sort of like uh, tongue in cheek yeah. and just really just silly. Um, But what I found that when I kept talking about things that I was um, thinking about and like deciphering some sort of like opinion or idea or Mm -hmm. I took a stance about something, people would slide into my DMs and like either agree or disagree with what I said backed up with like an anecdotal like whatever, like a story that they've experienced as well. And then when I would start to read them, I'd be like, oh, this is really interesting. Can I share it? And then they'd say, yes, but don't show my name. And I was like, great. So I started sharing them and then people started 
getting more interested in these stories and what people had to say as reactions to what I had to say. And then they started sharing their own experiences. And then I put it as like a highlight on my Instagram. Yeah. And then like, thus the Powerpuff Girls were born. Like then I started <laughs> with the sugar spice and everything nice. And then the Lettuce Project got the domain, website, all of that kind of stuff. And then it started on its own platform. Wow. So how do you feel giving the anonymous, pro the Lettuce Project, sorry, to the world means to you? Like you're putting it now on this platform. These are people's real raw stories. Yeah. Is it to make people more vulnerable, inspire them to tell their stories? What do you want to give out of, out of it to the world? Uh, interestingly enough, the Lettuce Project has changed drastically since 2017. Okay. Like it's, it, it started off as being a kind of cathartic space that mm -hmm. people were expressing their stories. Most of them were moments of vulnerability and grief and shame. And that was sort of, I guess, the main themes that mm -hmm. the Lettuce Project was covering. And people were a lot more sympathetic. Um, I also, you know, like I, I was very much vocal about being the founder of the Letters Project. Yeah, and it was fine. And then about twenty, kind of eighteen, nineteen, uh, I took a step back as being sort of the figurehead of the Letters Project because mm -hmm. I was receiving death threats and there was a lot Holy of backlash. Shit. Yeah, but I think it was like the Letters Project undertone changed because people changed and like things changed, like the. Um, you know, the the cesspool that is social media started yeah. to breed. It, it just became a stomping ground or a breeding ground for trolls and haters yep. and people who were just very emotionally and mentally unstable. And, and then it started to feed into this like narrative, which, um, which is really interesting because um, I had listened to this woman. Oh, I can't for the life of me remember her name, but she talked about this demon God called Moloch. And okay. Moloch, and it'll make sense when I kind of revert it back okay. to what I'm saying, because you're like, oh, I don't understand. I'm like, who? Okay, <laughs> listeners, you'll understand yeah. in a second. But um, Moloch is basically this demon god that okay. is, in order to um, uh, sort of feed its soul, it's, it, the, you have to sacrifice children, like the innocence of children, in order for this god to like... Um, um, like uh, function? Function, get stronger, all of okay. that kind of stuff. But that... Um, I guess uh, theme mm -hmm. started to be like started to apply to things in in life that people would almost sacrifice or you would step on somebody in order to get to the top, but the stepping that you had to cause was always to the detriment of the other person. Okay. So it was like you you kind of like socially or culturally climb up your uh, climb your way to the top, um, but not doing it with like pure of heart, honesty, integrity, all of that kind of stuff, and everyone's in it on it. Everyone's so no ethics. Thing. No ethics, no morals, yeah. no nothing. Okay. Um, and so she had made this argument that Moloch was just like social media, where you basically, okay. everyone's in the same pool together. Yeah. You're all in it for the same reasons. It's either for the likes, for the validation, for whatever. The, you know, fame, the yeah. accolade, whatever. And so people feed off of that energy and it's it highlights the 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 trauma and the disdain and all of that stuff more so than the successes because the, sex, the, the successes can only be seen through the lens of like a collective success mm. whilst to the detriment of somebody that's an individual thing you have to be really sly to like undercut somebody else in order to get yourself to the top because there's only one person that wins yeah and so when i started to see the way that the letters project was transforming it became this kind of malocky way of looking at society where mm. it was so good and pure in the beginning and then individuals started to feel very like entitled to their opinions they felt mm. that the world you know, reoriented to their needs. Yeah. And, and so I stepped back and then 
now the Letters Project is going through this kind of like emotional wave where like sometimes it's really like it's filled with love and support and admiration and all of that kind of stuff. And then it dips down and it becomes like a hellhole. And so it's... Where is it right now? I think it's a, between a rock and a hard place because... Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. Yeah. Because um, people are starting to feel that the, the platform is disingenuous when the platform has literally... The same formula has applied to the platform since 2017. It has not changed. But I think people have changed. Uh, I think people have changed and I, too. And I think that that's kind of the, the main, main crux of it, really. I mean, when you see these troll comments, like the one I just described on the post from the Letters Project uh, Instagram account <clears throat> um, earlier last night, and I saw that comment, I was like, 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 bro, like, what the hell? Like, I almost wanted to, like, say something, but, like, of course, I'm not that person that ever, like, comments on trolls, but for some reason, I was like, I see someone being super vulnerable writing this anonymous letter, like mm-hmm. horrible, horrid story that happened to her. Mm-hmm. And then you have a troll, like just being a troll, being yeah. hateful, being whatever it is. And I'm sure you get this a lot because mm-hmm. I know you're very vocal on your own platform. Yes. How do you navigate that? Because at some extent it has to affect you. It does. But I think for me, I've done a lot of soul searching and a lot of reading. And I have a, I would like to think a modicum of self-awareness to mm-hmm. know that like when someone has an issue with me, most times then not, it has everything to do with them and nothing to do with me. That's true. So, and also I'm of the sort of mindset as well that, um, that when people have issues with me, Mm -hmm. I tend to reflect an insecurity within them that they are not prepared or in a position to face themselves. Okay. So I also am aware of the fact that, um, when we're in this kind of like I guess this like dance, this tango mm-hmm. of somebody sort of hating and thro- throwing um, comments my way. It's usually people that I don't even know. So my kind of logical brain comes in and goes like, well, this person doesn't even know me uh, in any way, shape yeah. or form. So why would I let a random stranger's comments affect my my sense of self or the way that I look at myself? Yeah. If it was somebody I knew and it was somebody that like I've, you know, had conversation with, I'd be like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, and I'm a very confrontational person, so I have no issues like telling someone like, okay, what's the deal? Let's have a conversation about yeah. it. But if it's somebody um, that I don't know, then it's, just, it's, stra- it's strange. Also. It's, it's a strange thing. So I was on TikTok during COVID, obviously. Mm-hmm. Who wasn't? But I started, like, I'm a, I am used to dance back in, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started doing these TikTok dances because I know rhythm. I know how to pick up choreography well. And I got, like, a lot. I got, like, to 20K followers during COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people, but, like, with that, I know it's a small following, but still with that I had trolls never experienced this type of hate of course I mean when I was little I was bullied once and it's actually some trauma so yeah when it was like reignited through these comments I actually didn't know what to do calling me fat don't dance how yeah yeah like ruthless what? comments and I would look on their profiles right and it's like two followers right yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. those type of accounts yeah, like yeah. two followers following one whatever it is and I really, and I was like, this is probably like a kid telling yeah. me, you know what I mean? These nasty comments, but it actually affected me and I didn't understand why. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one though, because I'm like, now I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I don't care. Like yeah. I'm still going to dance and now whatever, I'm over it. Yeah. But I feel like when you're in that phase where it's like, I'm a very confrontational person in terms of like someone that I know mm-hmm. impacts me, of course, more on a different level. It's like, oh, like, why do you think like that? Let's yeah. discuss it. Absolutely. But I think when it's a random person and you're constantly getting it, yeah. like someone who has a platform like you, I'm sure 
you've had to deal with it in a certain way to not let it affect you. Yeah, and I uh, just going back to what you were saying, I mean, I, the same thing. I started uh, TikTok just like, I mean, trying to figure out what the young kids were doing. <laughs> uh, which is, I yeah. hate Gen, gen Zers. And that's like, I'll go on record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, okay, honestly, we need to discuss that. I cannot deal with the Gen Zers, honestly. But um, I, I found that when people were kind of coming for me, they mm-hmm. were coming for things that were so like, there were such general statements that they had nothing to kind of like fall back on. So for me, um, just going back on you, like they were probably attacking you because you were doing something that involved your body. So the first line of attack will be your body. You're you know? right, you're hundred percent right. For yeah. me, it's like, I talk about identity. So the mm-hmm. first place they're going to do is like invalidate my identity mm-hmm. or like, like refuse to legitimize it in any capacity. So for me, obviously being half Emirati, the first thing that they're going to go is like, she's not even full Emirati, yeah, yeah, you know? She's ask. only half, so she can only half talk about it. You half know? talk about yeah, it. And I'm just kind of like, and then it even, it goes even further because it's just like, you know, is she even a real Emirati? Like maybe her father's not even Emirati. I told, I saw on a TikTok, sorry to interrupt you, but I saw on your, on your video, you like actually have to explain what tribe you were from and that you're from Sharjah. I'm like, why does she have to explain her? I that? don't. But, but do I you just, feel the need sometimes no, no, to? No, not at all. For that case, I was just like, I was like, I was answering a very common question because Got it. on on TikTok and more so than on Instagram, people would just be like, yeah, but she's like not Emirati and she's not this and she's not that. I'm like, okay, so <laughs> here's what we're going to do, boys and girls. This is what we're going to do. We're going to sit down and have a conversation <laughs> about tribal affiliation and lineage and whether you're like, like, you know, Arabi or Amy yeah. or like from like Blushy, like whatever. I'm going to, I'll give you the breakdown yeah. and then you can decide whether or not you think I am Emirati enough, pure enough, whatever. And then the conversation can end there like it doesn't have to be like because a lot of the time it's just curiosity like it's true kind of like yeah. you know well you're not yeah you? yeah you yeah, know? yeah and you're just like and so I just find I just find it really hilarious. like I just I I take it with a pinch of salt I like your perspective on it though yeah I really like I like it cheers, if it cheers. happens to me cheers yeah I'm taking that perspective but <laughs> I'm applying it to me I also <laughs> think that it's it's down to personality so like I always say this like I'm really really a gun for hire like I will are you fight. a Scorpio no people think that I'm like, yeah because that's a Scorpio trait yeah no I'm a Libra through and through Libra, okay. rising Taurus. so I'm a double <laughs> Venus <laughs> That's how it is. So, Love it. And by the way, guys, she's doing a dance. Yeah, that's she's like what it is. Yeah, TikTok come for me with this dance. You better check come yourself. Come with her, exactly. But um, so yeah, so I'm just uh, so being a Libra, like we're like balance. We just mm. like to balance things out. But for me, it's like I will literally fight tooth and nail. I will go like I will go for the jugular. If somebody okay, yeah. comes for somebody, I will be there to like fight the corner because. There is something, maybe because of my childhood and the way that I faced bullying or discrimination or whatever capacity, it was always like there was no one fighting for the underdog. And so I felt like sort of morally obligated to be this like martyr. Like I will do it because I can handle it. I've got thick skin and I'll do Mm -hmm. it. And so there's been multiple occasions on social media where somebody has had someone coming for them and I will jump in and just be like, pick us on your own size, you know? And then they'll just, (laughs) they'll beeline for me and I'll like, I'll take the hit. So and you have this protective nature yeah. and you, it comes from your childhood. Yes. And it's so, very, and it's nice that you're self-aware, like you're aware of that. Yes, absolutely. And like, I mean, everything that I do is, is, is an extension of, of my childhood. Mm. Like I, you know, I never felt more sort of discrimination about where I was from than I have being in the UAE. That's it, crazy. Because I grew up like in Brussels. So 
I mean, I'm not so sure if it, it is now the same yeah. thing, but in Brussels, it's like one of the highest percentages in Europe of mixed race marriages. Oh. So I grew up with a lot of people that were either like half Chinese, half black, like, um, and so people would grow up, like th the idea of me existing within this kind of like, as I like to call sort of like a Benetton ad of yeah. like kids. Yeah. It was never an issue if you had- like, It never came kid, up. White kid, black kid, like didn't, didn't matter. Yeah. And so the discrimination only really happened like a little bit, like I guess post 9-11, but like really happened when I came back to the UAE. It was kind of like, no, 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 no. We need to figure out like, where do you sit? Where do you, where should we place you? Because everyone plays a role when they come here. This mm -hmm. is the stage, this yeah. is the play, and yeah. you're assigned a role, and this is the cast, yeah. and this is the sort of criteria that you need to follow in order to fit into these boxes. Correct. And so if you don't submit or succumb to that ideology, then you are not with us, you're against us. And I think that's when the sort of, I guess, trolls started to like, to, to sort of, but you know, I think, now? Do you just accept that? I mean, you said when you first moved back, you know, you felt that. Did you, yeah, that's hard. That's tough because I, I would feel like even if I go to Lebanon, for example, and because I'm American, Syrian, Lebanese, never lived in Lebanon, and if they didn't really accept me for being, even though I, my Arabic is like really broken, but mm -hmm. if they didn't accept me for being Lebanese, like my cousins or whoever it is, that would like affect me. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it was because I just, I grew up knowing that I was never going to belong to a specific group or a side. Like so I you just, kind of accepted that already. Yeah. So you kind of went in like, like when I go, when I used to go to Syria, Syria, I felt more comfortable in, but like when I used to go to Syria, cause there's like such, like I said, it goes back to this idea of like culture. And so yeah. I feel at home in culture. I yeah. don't feel at home in like a specific feeling. Place. Yeah. So like I had like, I was very close to my Syrian side of the family. Um, there was a lot of women. So we were surrounded by all of these matriarchs that were Love like, that. you know, boss, like women. Love Love and, that shit. And it was just amazing. We would like cook together and sit and talk and gossip and <laughs> nezhim the finjana. You know, the gossips and, oh, and it was not, the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the best. The flaming hot tea comes yes, from those sessions. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but like, but being in Syria, like there's still, of course, a lot of things that people have issues with. Like, for example, like even though I'm not like... I'm not like dark skinned. I'm very yeah. much like Western present, like Western passing. Mm -hmm. Like even in Syria, I would like, if you're not like Sha'ar Ubeda or Yunazira, like yeah. if you're not like blonde Aryan race looking, like it just doesn't, it doesn't compute with mm -hmm. them. And so they always knew me as like the half Emirati. But then like when I come back here, it was like, oh, you definitely like, you're like Binti Suriye. You're like the Bint Al Ajnabiye. You're Bint, uh, like you're the, the daughter of the foreigner, the daughter of the, the Syrian, the daughter yeah. of the blonde. And it was just, it was weird. And, and I never faced that before. And so um, when I had that kind of like thrown my way, I was like, huh, like, <laughs> hmm, like this is interesting. Like, because I, I didn't really like, you know, when someone throws it at you, you're like, yeah. okay, like, what do you want me to do? About yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, what and the, yeah, exactly. And so the, I'm still even like 15 years later, 20 years later, I'm still like, I'm still getting to the end. Like what, like, what are we going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then so, so yeah, so that was kind of my... But thoughts. I feel like you are, like, when you present yourself to the... I know we're getting, like, super deep right yeah, now. When ahead. you present yourself to the world, you are proud to say you're half Emirati, oh, half absolutely. Syrian. I'm super and proud. And grew up in Belgium and Turkey and whatever. Like, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You're very proud. And I actually admire that because I think sometimes when people keep bashing you and saying, like, and so, like, no, you can't be both or whatever, half, half. What's your identity? Who mm -hmm. do you identify with? Yeah. It's hard to then still say, like, no, but I'm still fucking proud. Yeah, absolutely. even if you don't want to admit or absolutely. whatever it is. Absolutely. And I think that also the UAE um, is kind of like structured in a way to be 
quite homogenous and, mm -hmm. and, and like operate as a, like this, a sort of monolith. Yeah. Um, but whether they like it or not, um, the UAE is transformative in nature. It did, uh, yeah. And it's going to start breeding more sort of mixed race children. For sure. um, and so for me, what I'm trying to do is create a safe space to whatever capacity that means for those who feel like, you know, they don't feel like they belong to like, you know, the left or the right, but they're like in the middle yeah. or like, and so, and I hope that that helps because people have told me like, it, it really helps. And I, I'm, I love that. I'm, I'm happy. Like I have friends who are like, I don't know, like, like American and they, and they marry an Emirati and they have young kids who are like six, seven years old. They're like, they watch your videos. Cause they're like, Oh, I'm just Aww, like that. You know, that's so cute. I know it's super cute. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that because then when, when I'm, I kind of think about it in terms of like legacy. It's like when I'm dead and gone, might be tomorrow, it might be in a year from now, it might mm -hmm. be whatever, that at least these people saw themselves reflected in the way that society operated. And if I can do that, then, you know, so be it. That's very beautiful, Sada. Thanks. That's really <laughs> No, really, that's really beautiful. And I admire that. And I agree. Mm. I mean, even as someone that's not half Emirati, like being half whatever it is. And for me, it was more of like, because Dubai is my home. Yeah. Like course. I grew up here yeah. and then I moved away for five years and came back. More all my me. friends. In, yeah, 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 yeah. All my friends. My parents have been here for 35 years, saw yeah. it sand and up. And this is my home. But like when I go to the States, yeah. they don't see me as an American. Yeah. But I'm like, but I am like my passport. I was yeah. born here. And so the identity. So it's nice to see someone who's like completely embraced it. Yeah. Even from different nationalities. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to talk about feminism. Sure. So. One of the videos I stalked yesterday was actually, I think, no, it was three days we posted. It. Yeah. It's just a stalker guy. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's right. You do your research. You're very thorough. Research. I appreciate Thanks, it. girl. Um, you said a very interesting point about feminism because I argue with my husband all the time about this because sure. I'm like, I'm a feminist. Mm -hmm. I believe in the equal rights for men and women. Yeah. He is like, and he kind of said what you had said. Yeah. But now the definition of feminism has completely changed. Absolutely. It's woke culture. It's cancel culture. Absolutely. It's I don't know what culture. So what is your definition of feminism and how do you see it today? How do you see the perspective of feminism today? Feminism. Inter interestingly enough, there is no definition of feminism because feminism is, or being a feminist is a state of being. I think women, um, especially the fact that we, uh, you and I, mm -hmm. are living, breathing byproducts of our ancestral lineage mm -hmm. and the literal definition of survival. We exist here because our ancestors have fought through thick and thin, however it was, whether it's through hypergamy, whether it's through just be like basic survival, they had to find means in order to live within the circumstances that they had. And that meant um, being you know, whatever, uh, like strong, independent, being able to raise children or, or in whatever capacity. Yeah. When I look at my grandmother and my great grandmother and the matriarchs that we had just discussed in yeah. Syria, they're all feminists, but they don't need the label of feminist. You are a true feminist if you don't need the label because the label- This is an interesting perspective. The label like eliminates the nuance. And I think that that's the problem with, with the way that we live in woke culture that, that we have um, so many labels uh, of like defining people, yeah. whether it's like the way that they exist or the sexual orientation, whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, but then you eliminate culture from the conversation because culture is the only space that can define and, and recognize nuance. Mm -hmm. And that also, and that, and when you think of feminism, that's the same thing. So it's like, 
I live it, I breathe it, I exist it, I exude myself, I can be disagreeable, I can be go-getting, I can be assertive, I can lean into my masculine energy. That is what feminism is, because I'm comfortable in both polarities. And I don't think I need anyone to tell me how to exist or put me with a list of parameters that I need to follow or to reorient my existence to cater to somebody else's needs. That is not feminism. That is, um, that is a... Um, uh, like a way of existing masquerading as feminism. So, so when you see all of these, let's say, you know, the women's march and this and pussy power, I swear on this podcast, stupid. it's fine. How do you, because I actually, so when I was in DC doing my master's at AU in Stratcom, mm -hmm. um, I went to the women's march because it was like mm -hmm. the thing to do. You're like, what are we doing Saturday? There's a women's march. Let's go. We're, we're protesting all the time. Yeah. Anyways, so I went I will say it felt really cool to be surrounded Absolutely. by this like almost like empowerment, mm -hmm. empowered. Everyone's like, they're like, yeah, women, we love women, abortion, whatever it is, mm -hmm. like right to your body. I don't know what, of course in the States it's very different mm -hmm. to hear, yeah. but it felt very empowering. And I think in that moment I was like, oh shit, I guess I am a feminist, right? Mm -hmm. Because this is the type of energy A, I want and B, I do believe in like women's rights and all of this. Yeah. So in America, it's definitely screws. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're, yeah. you're either on one side, you're on this side or on that side. Absolutely. And that's it. Mm -hmm. uh, especially with politics and abortion rights and whatever. So I think when I look at myself and I look at this podcast, I'm like, I'm all for women empowerment. So therefore I am a feminist, but you've brought a diff interesting, different perspective to it mm -hmm. that I never thought about. I mm -hmm. never thought about why do you have to say it? Mm -hmm. Because now there's so many attachments to the word feminist. Yeah. And I think that also the word feminism is, was was like erupted into the general social zeitgeist yeah. because of the way that America looked at feminism in Correct. the 1950s and 60s. Yeah. So they're like, I like whatever third wave feminism, new what whatever feminism they think whether it's in America or in the West that they invented feminism. Correct. La habibi, like yeah, that's yeah. not how it works. Feminism existed beyond the pond, across the pond, in different cultures, in different civilizations. Since the dawn of day, feminism has existed, which is why, like, when you have, like, like you were mentioned, you were like, pussy power, like, power to the pussy. Yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm like, that's stupid. Like, I think it's so, <laughs> it's so, it's so, it reduces, it's such a reductive, um, flaccid, surface level, flat way of looking at how enriching and how powerful women actually are. Mm. And I think that, that like people don't realize, and, and the most people that don't realize this are women, which is that women can do anything. Mm -hmm. And we, men have gone to war for women. They True. have split the Catholic church because of a woman. Yeah. So like women don't realize like everything, every power is between there he is, and mm -hmm. between their legs. Yeah. They've got everything. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, you're totally right. So why do we need to subscribe to subscribe, someone's... I love that. No, genuinely, <laughs> yeah, why do we yeah. need to subscribe to some, like, BS definition of what feminine, feminism needs to be in order to fit a certain nar narrative or a certain ideology or a certain agenda? So I don't view it in that way. So when someone is just like, oh, but you're preaching feminism, it's like, well, okay, I'm preaching what I think is how people should generally exist in the world. If you want to claim it feminism, great. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. That's not it. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the way that I view feminism. And I think feminism, to go back to your question about definition, mm. feminism to me is the complete and an utter ability to accept and unite the polarities of the masculine and feminine energy 
so that women can work alongside men to empower men, not disempower men, because we need the, we need each other. Yeah. And we don't have to do things at the detriment of a man. And also we don't need to rise to the top it, it, like by stomping on the, the heads of men. Yeah. Because a lot of the feminists, feminists nowadays, they think that like, oh, like, we can't we cancel men out of the conversation. Well, no, I don't agree with yeah. that at all. And I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. I also think it's 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 also like impossible yeah. to do that. But I also think it's ridiculous. And I also think by denouncing men in the conversation, you yourself are denouncing the masculine energy. One that you million hold. percent. I don't so believe do in that, that cancel culture of men and men suck and men this yeah, and men no, that. Yeah, it's stupid. It's but I think what women can uh, getting better at. I'm seeing in like my friends, my colleagues, whatever is. When there's a man in position of power, say it's a job. Yeah. There's a boss that's a guy and a girl's asking for a promotion or raise or whatever it mm-hmm. is. I find that the women around me are still struggling when it comes to like asking a man if that who's their boss, whatever, whatever it is, CEOs, for what they want and what they deserve. Mm-hmm. And I find that that's still a struggle. Mm-hmm. Have you felt that struggle before? Yeah. And yeah, and how Absolutely. are you kind of overcome it or have you ever overcome it or is it kind of a process? I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier about this idea of the victim narrative. Yeah. So for me, I struggle with it all the time. We live in a patriarchal structure. Thank you very much. Like that's like, it's, it, it is what it is. Um, and I think that there are so many undertones or like it's multi-layered and multifaceted to the way that we can look at patriarchy Mm -hmm. or the patriarchal structure. And so it does happen in the workplace. It happens in, you know, in relationships. relationships, it It happens. And I think for me, the second that I stopped viewing it through the lens of a victim and okay. I started u- viewing it through the lens of somebody who was not disempowered but very empowered, it's like it didn't bother me. It didn't scratch me. I was like, because for me, it's um, I associate uh, men disempowering women because they feel threatened by them. And so any disempowerment that has happened towards me is because I was seen as a threat. Mm -hmm. And so I found other ways to maneuver. I've leaned into my feminine energy, which is the fluidity, the the manipulation, but the good qualities of that in order to like navigate the 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 multifaceted nature of how complex women can be mm. men are not like that men are very binary men are very rigid men straightforward comp- to the yeah, point yeah they compartmentalize yes. they box things up correct and they are so like there is a target and they aim for it and it's such a rigid systematic process women are chaotic yeah and we lean into it we, but but a lot of the times when I see women who are disempowered, it's usually they view themselves through the lens of a man. Like it's through the male gaze. Like why, why are you viewing your disempowerment through that lens? You're just, your job is to subvert it. Yeah. That is what your job is to do. I think though, you're hundred percent right. And I totally agree with, yeah. I totally agree with you when you, when you say that, because I've been in situations too, where I'm like, no, like I know I'm my worth or whatever it is, self-love, mm-hmm. whatever it is. But I'm viewing it in the lens of a man instead of using my qualities to Mm -hmm. empower myself. Mm -hmm. Something that is a work in progress. It's not perfect yet. Mm -hmm. But I think that's, it's a, so would your advice be to women that have been in these situations before is to see it in the lens of a woman, not a man? Absolutely. And I think that the, when you are, when you're reflecting inwards as a woman, you look through the lens of yourself. When you are projecting outwards you have to look at it through the lens of like the other yeah so for example like a a basic analogy or 
or, or, or a sort of like an, um, a, st- a storyline or like an example of that yeah. would be like, you know, like dating, for example. Yeah. Women always view I love relationships. Like, they, they, they view relationships through yeah. the lens of a woman. A woman doesn't think like a man. A man doesn't think like a woman. If a guy's doing something like that to you, Think of it through his perspective, not yeah. your perspective. And half of the times you'll understand, like, no one's doing it to attack you. Yep. It's not a personal thing. He just genuinely doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Like, that's just kind of how it is. And I think when when you start to reorient the way that you think and you and, and, and you move through this world, the world is your oyster. 100% and I, and, agree. And, and so that's why I refuse to, to be a victim. Like, you'll never see me on social media being like, oh, this is so sad and I'm so upset that yeah. someone hurt my feelings. It's never going to happen. Uh, because also then that means they win. Yeah. No, we don't want... Th- no, ma'am. All right, I need to turn off that. Yeah, no worries. Sorry, one second. This is a great podcast. <laughs> so I'm really enjoying it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Okay. I'm actually... Oh, I lost a question. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. It's been 40 minutes. Mm. That really felt like... Like... A good amount. Yeah, yeah, no, like wow. It was no, it was like it went fast actually. Okay, um, my last question is actually up two, but okay, sure. Um, what are you working on at the moment? (sighs) What am I working on? Like (laughs) Like honestly, this is literally the bane of my existence. I am working on several projects. Okay, I'm working on a podcast that I hope that I'm hoping to release or start to release by the summer. Okay, and that's just because I've struggled with uh, the people that I've been trying to interview. trying to navigate that so hopefully fingers crossed by the summer I am also aiming to publish my half Emirati study that I did during the pandemic okay. which is where I just threw out uh, a survey hoping that I was going to get like 100 or 200 participants I ended up getting 1,070 half Emiratis to participate in the survey. Wow. And so the data is rich and dense and delicious and just amazing. And I've been writing several papers on the subject matters that it's been covering, which is really fascinating. That's awesome. So when will that come out? You're like, whenever. I'm <laughs> aiming the summer. No, I'm literally aiming for everything in the summertime okay. just because like I need to set a deadline for myself. Otherwise, I get it's just it. I'm kind of like that too. So yeah. yeah. So summertime. Summertime. Okay, yeah. well, Sada, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. conversation. Guys, don't forget to follow, subscribe on all podcasting platforms where you listen to Tell Me Everything with Lance. And I'll put Sada's handles, the Letters Project, and her Insta on the show notes. Thanks, guys. See you next week.